0: welcome to With Relish here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm
1: Eva Allen. And I'm Harry Colley. We are a fortnightly food podcast looking at Ireland's culinary industry and identity with a focus on the individuals that make it up. You can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please make sure to hit subscribe and write us a review or even better, tell a friend.
0: And make sure also to check out our new Instagram page at With Relish Podcast for more info on the show. So today on the show we're looking into the world of natural wines with Pete Conway O'Neill from Green Man Wines in Terranier. Terranier, that's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is just a world that's kind of uh, this world is a little bit new to me, I suppose. Um, it's I'm new to all not a big wine drinker, so I'm really interested to hear what, what Pete has to say about it. But like, can you make a comparison? I wonder between the world of natural wines and kind of the craft beer movement.
1: I think you can make a, a comparison between the two marketing ideas. Yeah, Do you know okay. what I mean? I think Because uh, the thing about natural wine, what I know, which is very little, but I'm going to say like an authoritative figure right now but mm. what I know is that that's the old way of making wine that is like that is pre-industrial era, that is pre, you know, ag- like agricultural yeah. revolution type stuff going on, that that's how wine was made. And a lot of it comes from Russia's garden, as in Georgia. Yeah. And um, like that's the origin of a lot of that style of winemaking. And I think that what we're in now is this kind of kickback culture to, you know, mass production and yeah. industrialized. In
0: the same way that people are buying big sourdough loaves at the weekend yes. and um, buying, I suppose, a low intervention equivalent um, in terms of beer and other alcohol yeah. and more locally produced stuff. So it's it's just part of that kind of enduring so. trend of simplifying and allowing the character and the individuality of a product to shine through a bit more rather than everything tasting. Mucho semo. I think so. As they say. Yeah.
1: Mucho semo. <laughs> <same-o>. Yeah. <laughs> Todos los mismos. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, Todo same-o. Um, But yeah. So I think that. Uh, yeah. You're definitely right. I would say in terms of the comparison between uh, craft beer and natural wines. They've mm. both got very interesting labeling. And they're kind of attracting uh, similar kinds of people who are maybe becoming a little bit more discerning in the stuff that they're drinking. Yeah. Um, You know. So if yellowtail is the Heineken of the wine world, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of one mass produced thing that could be made for markets all over the world. And yeah. just, and they shape it exactly how they want it to be in any given market. So like the yellowtail that you're getting in America is going to be very specifically for that market. You yeah. the, well- the yellowtail you're getting in the UK and Ireland is going to be very specifically for that market. And so this with natural wine, it seems that there's really it's chance it's a so free for all, it. yeah. It's a free for all in that in that year to year the wines are changing drastically. And wines do change from year to year. That's the thing that we know about winemaking mm. and the vintages are all, you know, terribly important when you're looking at, you know, old world wines anyway, and you're looking at kind of, you know, Spain and Italy and France and knowing that there was good years for this, that and the other words, that's not really the same for lots of Australian or New World Wines. And that's not to say that there isn't a culture of really, really good winemaking there. Mm. But what we know them for is this kind of mass produced. Very know, consistent product. Very consistent product. Yeah. Okay. And so what I understand of natural wines anyway is that it's full of characters. And yeah. There's this like really gorgeous romantic story often that goes with the wine. Um, the individuals who make up the industry uh, seem to be part of its selling point
0: yeah sure you know i've heard stories of people in in france and spain having these wonderfully biodiverse environments where kind of everything on the farm or everything on uh, the vineyard feeds into one aspect or another of it Um yeah. all very nice um i suppose i'll just be really curious to hear from pete how people who you know there are, i suppose there are two very broad categories of wine drinkers in ireland there's like traditional um, you know, um, pe- maybe people of an older generation, yeah, um, who like their old world wines, and they mm. want consistency, and they want super high quality, they want a certain aesthetic around it as yeah. well. And then there's kind of younger folks who drink wine to party.
1: Yeah, they want a, an eleven euro bottle of Sauvignon Blanc.
0: Yeah, and that's and I'm wondering where. Uh, I suppose natural wines are going to fit into into that story. And yeah. that's what I'm really intrigued to know about it. Are these wines being taken up or uh, being bought by folks who are really into their food and really adventurous in their food and open to quite like unusual, funky, complex, weird flavors? So it'll be interesting to hear from them on yeah. that. Yeah,
1: yeah, there will be totally. I feel like we should probably clarify a little bit as well for anybody mm. who doesn't know what natural wine is and how yeah. it differs from. Non-natural conventional wines. I know that uh, we'll definitely ask Pete that mm. when he gets into the Shomra. However, what I understand of it is that natural wines use a lot of use exclusively wild fermentation, which say that they don't use um, commercial yeasts. Mm. So, if you're thinking about uh, the kind of yeast that they use in champagne, there's a very specific kind of champagne yeast which is called Saccharides champenis or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, did you make that up? I did not. Well, saccharides is definitely the origin. Google, <laughs> Google it real quick there. Uh, saccharides is definitely like the prefix for lots of commercial brewing yeasts. And then they often will just name. So there is like saccharides Carlsbergensis is larger, is a larger starter. And okay. so the Carlsbergensis comes from Carlsberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they were the ones who came up with that yeast and then commercialized that, sold it around the world. And so that kind of makes one kind of beer with one kind of yeast. And so that's what makes it so ubiquitous. Mm. So it's Saccharitis Carlsbergensis. However, oh. I don't know what the, what, the, what the champagne one is called. But anyway, so what they're doing on these uh, vineyards is allowing for a spontaneous fermentation. So it's all of the wild yeasts that are on... The leaves and on the skins of the uh, fruit, and then in In the the, atmosphere, and in the atmosphere, and in in, in the wooden vats that make it up. So, you could have one colony of yeast take over one year, and then the next year, perhaps a different one would take over. Yeah. And so, that would make a very different character in the wine. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's high risk stuff. Yeah. You know, Um, I just think about the fermentation that we do at work. Yeah. And how, I mean, we tend to have a relatively consistent product yeah. at the end of the process. But each batch is different. Totally. And, and whether depending,
1: you know, like is, is, is into, it a, is it a warm month, so is everything going to ferment faster yeah. or is it going to take ages upon ages upon ages for the to see those effects? Yeah. So I mean we're doing it in really uh what's the word I'm looking for? Low risk. You know, because <laughs> our whole livelihoods don't depend don't on this depend kimchi. on this one
0: thing. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So, like, if a batch of kimchi doesn't work out for us, or if it's not as lovely as the last one, mm. we move on with our lives pretty quick. Pretty um, but quick. it must be pretty <laughs> quick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, over that one already. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the um, yeah, I suppose if you're um, if you're a winemaker, that must be really exciting and really thrilling, and every batch is going to have some sort of exciting new character 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 Character. (laughs) Um, something exciting new character to it but also I suppose you're always a little bit nervous that your customers are going to go this is not delicious it's not what I expected from this grape Mm -hmm. it's not what I expected from you I am horrified (laughs) pour it all on the floor and just storm out of their living room Um you know what I mean yeah so yeah well
1: look I'm super looking forward to having Pete mm. come in and he's bringing three bottles with him I think as well yeah so we get to drink on the job
0: This is our first ever wine tasting in the studio yeah first ever, first ever. no we did we one tasting before thing. of bread of Oh I wasn't pastries. Here you weren't here yeah
1: so this is the first one the first yes this <laughs> is the first one that kind yeah. <laughs> guys okay. um cool okay well on with the show yeah, let's invite Pete in So, today in the show, we have got Pete Conway O'Neill on with us from Greenman Wines. He's here to talk to us a lot about natural wines, which is a subject that. I know I've become more and more interested in and... and I would like to become more and like more to.
0: interested in and know more about it because I am rubbish with wine.
1: So I did um, a wine module in college and that kind of gave me a background knowledge of the stuff that was going on. And then I kind of forgot about it. Mm. And I was actually away last weekend in Copenhagen with a few friends and uh, the natural wine scene there was kind of outrageous. Oh, wow. Like really, really good. There was kind of just so many options and so many things and there was a lot of knowledge that surrounded it it kind of lacked pretense as well it was really kind of accessible and it was a great thing to get into and I'm hoping that Pete we can talk to you a little bit about the origins of natural wine what makes a natural wine versus an unnatural wine and all that kind of jazz so anyways and Welcome to With Relish. Note that we're much. doing a
0: tasting as well, which is really oh, yeah. exciting in
1: the studio in the middle of the day. In the middle of the day we've got bottles of wine. It's like when yeah, somebody brings strange. a dog into the office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like somebody just brought booze. <laughs> <laughs> quick pet. Quick. Yeah. <laughs> um so Pete, let's start off by um talking about what is a natural wine.
2: Okay, so the term natural wine is something we have to be quite mindful of because what it implies is that other wines are unnatural yeah that's something we have to be very quite, quite mindful of because on a foundational level the grape itself is part of nature and that's sure. exactly what it is but there is a variation in terms of the fermentation process the you know yeast that are being included in terms of uh, the, the catalyst and basically what, what occurs is, is that I think the best way to describe like these kind of these style of wines that have like the best way to refer to them as, is as uh, minimal intervention wines yeah. is that the the hands-on approach is, is kept to uh, the bare minimum. So what we'd be looking at is, as opposed to using kind of synthesized yeasts, we would be looking at wild fermentation, for example, that is part of the actual ecosystem that is present within the cave and in the um, vines themselves, the vineyards themselves. So, so, that, so just so to break down, so if,
1: we, if, say if we're working with Yellowtail in Australia, they're, these are working with uh, a, a lab made... Mass-produced, consistent yeast—a synthetic yeast that's going to be employed. Yeast. Now, the reason okay. for
2: these, I can understand, particularly with the New World movement, is that they want some kind of sense of uniform. Yeah. With their wines, they want the consistency. Sure. One of the things that you know can be argued with the with the natural wine movement or the low or acoustic wines is that there is sometimes with the absence of sulfites, which I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not against. I'm not a heretic. I kind of think it's a, there's a, quite a big witch hunt on the on the, uh, <laughs> yeah. on the sulfite thing. But um, everyone always <coughs> blames their hangovers on sulfites. Yeah, so like, I was yeah, just yeah, to ask. Right, that's that probably alcohol. the booze yeah. <laughs> yeah. talking. Yeah. yeah, no, that's an ethanol thing. There's, there's not enough. There's not enough. You know, even even on that note, there's not enough kind of like empirical data to 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 state anything. Yeah. You know, we can just work on an, an, like anecdotes. But I personally think it's you know there's the aggregates within within the, the sulfite thing whereby you know your water consumption, what you've eaten, your sure. sleep hygiene, yeah, the quality of your mood, yeah. how much you've smoked. Mm-hmm. All of these things yeah. will contribute to. A nasty hangover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sulfites? Yeah. <laughs> Histamines? P- possibly, but the mm. I thing? No, 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 okay. I, I don't. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying that one. But, with the sulfide, the sulfite thing is kind of interesting. You know, sulfite is used as a kind of stabling agent for the wine itself. Now, I was at the Raw Festival in London like, three weeks back and within, you know, which is a movement that's been done by um, Isabel Lergon, uh, one of the only female at MW's masters of wine in the world. And she was she runs this, this event, it happens in Berlin, it happens in New York. And, you know, she's a great ambassador for the movement. But within it, you'll find people who are quite extreme. That, you know, what qualifies as a natural wine? You know, is it natural in the sense that it's sulphide-free? Um... You know, that also is a bit of an issue. Wendy Paye, who I did Harvest with last year in La Saula, in Roussillon, Domaine La Saula, you know, she's gone from around the gamut from, you know, working in Virginia to where, like, synthesis and compounds are added to kind of enhance the complexity of the wines. Now, for me, she is like the, like the high priestess of biodynamics. Wow. But okay. within it, Wendy's story is quite interesting. She, you know, I've toyed around with the idea of, of like, you Know the absence of, of sulfites, but what happens is I get so much bottle variation and secondary yeah. fermentation is occurring in the bottle, so yeah. you've no continuity within the product yourself, and you want to strive for that. Yeah. So, secondary fermentation,
1: once you've bottled it, then it's continued to oh, ferment it's and it's going to get carbonated.
2: Is you'll get a dioxide occurring, particularly okay. with res as well. You'll find that like you'll get this spritz kind of occurring, which is for me, I love these little nuances and wines, yeah. yeah. You know, they're not conventional wines, mm-hmm. but, yeah. what's but it's difficult is to sell
0: to a mass market, right? You you w- because You can't describe it, informed because you don't know.
2: Exactly. Well, yeah. I, have a, I have a general sense of what kind of occurs, and you yeah. kind of just give them the. You need to give them the heads up. Yeah. Hmm. Like because it is a relatively new phenomenon, but the phenomenon itself is interesting because it's got such a short history but a very long past. Because this is how wines were of initially course. made pre industrialization, yeah. mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So people are going on about this kind of new kind of like whole new movement. And actual fact, it's just a it's a it's just a callback, a throwback to how yeah. things were done. And it's also, like sourdough well. in
0: wine, you know.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Before we were making mass commercialized synthetic yeah. yeasts,
2: we were waiting to see which one which talk. one took your <laughs> in your thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think you know. My issue would be around the extremism, but I think there is room for, you know, some modifications. It's really hard. You can get classifications in terms of, like, you know, go, you've got Bio, Biovine and Demeter, and they're the two kind of agencies that kind of, that will certify you. But within it, it's really hard to foundate an actual proper sense of what it is, because mm. there's so much variation, you know. Mm. And on that variation, I mean, I suppose I'd like to hone in on what
1: distinctive flavours or distinctive tastes v- which are different in natural wines than what you might get from a conventional
2: wine. I think personally there is very little in the difference between conventional and natural. Now, this is a bone of contention for many, and mm. this is a, quite a controversial point. I do think there are secondary flavor compounds that do occur on account of the wild fermentation that would bring on these kind of more c- certain kind of savory notes. Mm. Um, but it's very hard to detect very much difference. One thing is that re- reductive quality will occur on account of the absence of, of, of sulfides, and you might get something quite barnyardy on the nose, a little bit of breath. Uh, Brettness is uh, is a type of um, uh, bacteria that kind of occurs within wines. The new world I think that was absolute massive spoilage, where it's kind yeah. of celebrated in continental Europe. Yeah. So you know, there's also the. Are, are you
0: talking about a funkiness that you would detect?
2: A bottle
1: funk. A like bottle yeah. funk. I was thinking yeah. so. Like I think people who are resistant to the movement often say like barnyard, and that's the yeah. thing that they go to, and that's that distinctive thing. But in the same way that I think with all fermented products where that's an acquired taste that you get all of us the first time we try beer or wine we're like yeah you push through it because that's what grown-ups do yeah. and then you learn to love it and i think with the with the with like sauerkraut and kimchi and that mm. kind of thing which has got this kind of funk this kind of like nasal flavor i think that i've come across some natural wines where that was a part of the experience yeah. and it was welcome do you know yeah, it was yeah, really yeah. really good sure. but yeah. because
0: you probably because you've acquired a taste
1: I for funkiness. <coughs> I worked <you> hard. Yeah. <laughs> Ate a lot of sauerkraut. Yeah. You're also
2: in an environment that's full of fermentation all the time. Yeah. You know? So you're kind of climatized with somebody, I guess. Yes. You, We're about crawling with bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. With <laughs> bacteria. <laughs> Living in our big CO2 bubble. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, what I find though, with, I know, I think in terms of the, the flavor profiles is that, you know, these things, I came from like a cheese background. So I like those kind of barnyardy, those Mm -hmm. kind of Mm. elements. Some of the wines that will always have this kind of almost like, as you said, like a kimchi that fermented almost like a ramen egg kind of notes. And then you can get some stuff that's just like farmer's feet. <laughs> I'm not opposed <laughs> to farmer's feet. It's on the for everything, but whether I want that in my glass, yeah. I'm not too <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. but they do dissipate. But I think what's I think the, the the movement itself is quite fantastic, and it's been embraced by some amazing chefs as well. Like it's, you'll see on the tapestry now of like a lot of restaurants that th- there is there's room for these these wines mm-hmm. because they're so gastronomically friendly. Yep, because okay. of those secondary compounds, because of that kind of savoriness, you know. There's producers in the Roussillon, uh, Tom Loeb from um, from Domaine. Oh, 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 where is he now? Sh- I- you could tell us anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <it> up, baby. <laughs> oh, Domaine, Domaine, Domaine uh, Matassa. Now, Tom's interesting because he was one of the first kind of like producers that I'd explored his wines. I'm thinking, Jesus, this is like I'm getting duck fat, I'm getting like Savoy cabbage, I'm getting all these really oh, weird savory notes. But I remember saying to another friend, I said, like, well, that's all great and good. And like, you can see where they can fit in, like, within on a plate. But she was saying, like, if I want duck or if I want cabbage, I want that on my plate, not on my glass. Yeah. You
0: know? yeah, sure. But it's still going to complement. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But
2: I find with most of these wines as well, you know, they, they do work better when paired with something on a plate rather than just drinking. Yeah. yeah. Straight up. And we'll be able to see that later on on the tasting, mm-hmm. I hope.
1: Yeah. OK. Yeah. It is one of those things. That I think one of the difficult things with wine and which makes it sometimes prohibitive or or difficult to get into is those tasting notes and I think that sometimes those things like to say like I remember when I first did wine training and I did, did a wine tasting that we were told that something was very minerally but there was like a briocheness about it and we were all just sitting there like (laughs) the huh? fuck, <laughs> 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 and, and and that there's that that, that I, what I find with wine, and this is my own experience of it, that there was a certain amount of uh, science versus romance, and Ooh. then marrying those totally. two things together mm. is kind of is kind of. What wine is about and like selling something by the table it's like you know that this is shabby. you know that the ground that this came from was like old oysters and like super flinty and and th- that's going to go really well with your oysters so you've got there's this kind of like terroir this idea of like land and place which is what kind of naturally pairs things but I think so much it comes down to the sell at the table mm, indeed for you, you know for you to be like and you're going to get apricot notes then somebody's going to
2: Sure, the power of suggestion, note. of course. Well, this is it. The expectation bias is something that I try to steer away from, particularly as a wine merchant, that, you know, all of these things, you know, first of all, let's think about this in a, in a, in a very pragmatic way. If I'm getting cherry from a Nibbiolo or getting, you know, certain notes of, like, you know, uh, anise, for example, they're not technically there right this is just an. Ex- this is such a subjective endeavour that you know you can make this association thing this is what it is as a, as a tasting note but think about it from let's have a thought experiment think about someone who has never had experience of a cherry mm-hmm. are they wrong for not getting it mm-hmm. you know so like I, I'm i very very careful even now like in terms of our wine labelling and stuff we keep it to a bare minimum because yeah. I don't also as well I found you know even kind of like penetrating the whole wine thing I, I was so intimidated by it originally mm-hmm. because I felt as if it was quite elitist and there was yep. a, like, a glossary to totally be yes. had and yep. And then, you know, tasting some re- really high-end Bordeaux wines. And then I'm like, I'm just not getting this. Yeah. Mm. And then, you know, wines are, you know, exceeded at the €200 Euro mark. And I'm just going like, something's wrong with me. I've, my, my palate's failing me. I'm not getting this. But the beauty of it was, was that when I got into certain natural wines, I was going like, this, you know, it's totally democratized now. This okay. is beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it has kind of broken down. It has democratized the wine world in such a way that it has like it is, it's chipping away at that elitism. Yes. How so? It's for everyone. Yeah. Well, because you now have one of the the, the biggest kind of like in terms of a demographic for the movement has been a lot of much younger, younger people who are very kind of food orientated. Okay. And it's their first time. And perhaps I think, you know, this is the 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 glory and the failure, I think, of all these kind of movements is that, you know, sometimes things become marketable. Mm. You know, I think the artisan case in point would have been the artisan beer movement. That was yeah. quite that was quite interesting. And I think it was a wave of a younger generation got involved in that. And then the trajectory then has happened to be wine, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, mm. you know, I'll have people come in. I find people who have an, of a certain age are harder to to sway to natural. They're very happy with their classic wines. Yeah. But between sommeliers in town, on their days off, Greenland wines, much younger demographic, and they're just open to explore, which is beautiful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Great. This is this is fantastic. And I think we need more of it. Well let's um
1: Let's see what they're making. Can
0: I ask one yeah, little question corn, before yeah. we start Certainly. tasting? Can you just tell me a little bit about the like the environmental value of low intervention wines <coughs> as opposed to um, now high I intervention think wines?
2: <laughs> there is room for everything on the table, whether mm. it's conventional or otherwise, natural, low fi, acoustic, whichever way you want to name it. Mm. I think there's room for everything, and I think that should be all celebrated. Yeah. What I do love about the fact, and this is why I'm quite a strong ambassador for the the lo-fi movement is that they have a sense of ecology they have a sense of sustainability the vines they treat the vineyard they treat the soil the flora the fauna everything is part of the collective system and this is the beauty of biodynamics it's seen as an actual energy system Mm. to the hands It's a very phenomenological approach everything is necessitated for the sustainability and the the vibrancy of the soil you know where if you'll go to places let's say more conventional places let's say like if you're in uh, like Australia like California you'll have these Perfectly manicured terraces. Mm. There's no other div- diversity going in there. You go up to Roussillon and there's wild boar. There's like wow, okay, shitting in the plants. There's yeah, dandelions yeah. growing. There is just, but yeah. that is all necessitated for the for the actual yeah. the, the biodiversity is yeah. is, is an, an imperative yeah. for the, for the movement. And there's a producer out in Loire, uh, Lara Samira, and she said something quite beautifully. I was reading there quite recently. She had said that hadn't really thought about the the extension of herself in the world other than just me. And that's all I am mm. until she had a baby, I went shit. There's <laughs> another generation following, and another generation yeah. may follow that as well. Yeah. I need to look after the land and my vi- my vines and my soil because I want longevity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. So there is, is that you know. Even the, the, I think what's interesting is that biodynamics is first of all a philosophy rather than a practice. Yeah, sure. You know, and that's something and not applicable just to viniculture, You know. People live their lives biodynamically. I met mm-hmm. someone that quite recently over in London at the RAW who cuts their hair on the on the root day calendar. You know, <laughs> so oh, yeah. there is extremes yeah. In yeah. All of it. The but like you indeed, know, the yeah. thing is, again, it was if a full moon
1: last night, and I went crazy. I'm just, Did you saying, cut your hair? just saying, just saying, didn't <laughs> cut my hair, but I was a bit like catching my behaviour. And then I saw on Instagram <laughs> it was a full moon, and I was like, oh dear, perfect well, again, for harvesting them. <laughs> I think with the
2: you know, there's ways in which you can approach it and take it with a grain of salt. Like you know, no one. You know, like people think like you know howling at the moons and like prep five hundred, which is like cow shit in a in a cow horn. You know, yeah. mm. it, there is extremes of it. There are people who just then just see it as a philosophy, whereby yeah. yes,
0: something to be really mindful of yeah. and yeah. try to introduce it now, anywhere you can.
2: So,
1: what are we drinking
2: today? Now we are looking at some very interesting and I think very great exemplars mm-hmm. of the of of biodynamic wines. Our natural wines or lo-fi wines, whichever whichever mm. name you're more comfortable using. Um, but what I wanted to look at particularly the first wine is by a gentleman by the name of Stéphane uh, Ruffo from, from the, the Loire in western France. Now this is Sancerre and um, the grape itself uh, being Sauvignon Blanc, which is the ancestral home to it. Uh, what, what's interesting about this is that it's almost the middle finger to what we know as conventional Sancerre. Okay. Yeah. And the Why? AOCs want typicity; they want a certain, a certain way in which it has to be harvested, at a certain time in which it's picked, the temperature in which it has to be done, in a way just to min- maintain some kind of uniform. And I can understand that, but within that you get something quite homogenised, mm-hmm. I believe. So this is now. The absolute, the counterpoint, or the counter to, uh, like what we what we what we perceive as, what we perceive as uh, as Sancerre from the Loire. Now again, uh, Harry, you were saying earlier on that like you know soil and what's kind of that's expressed in a certain way by the means of terroir. Uh, With your Loire, your left bank uh, Sancerre, or your um, uh, Loire, sorry, Loire Valley uh, wines, is that? You'd always get something very ste- steely, quite mineral, quite pebbly, mm-hmm. um, and this. Kind of flies in the face of it's that. Not that. So let me just get all my my. Uh, we're yeah, using a corrigent system. Um, today.
0: Yeah, we should get a photo of this. Yeah. On <laughs> <it> <laughs> of um, on it.
2: we're this basically is way we're way yeah. charging the bottle with, with argon, which is an, an, a a gas, an an active gas, which basically causes a pressure point for the wine to be extracted without compromising the integrity of the. Stop the lights. Magic, bonkers, right? Right. So yeah. I know it's bonkers, right? Noble gas I chamber into <laughs> the
1: studio, like so, so we can
2: steal wine from the bottle without taking the cork out. No, it magic. feels as if it's 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 pretty cracking stuff. Only thing is, is that it's time consuming. <laughs> it's okay. It's really time consuming. <laughs> I can feel my beard grow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, That's magic.
1: One thing to know to think as well about the labelling of now, these natural you. wines Thank that we you. have is that the labelling style mm-hmm. of the natural wines that I have found a lot has been like super lo-fi in the way that you're talking about as well, that there's, in the way that I think uh, beers, what's the word I'm looking for, craft beers have got their own distinctive style of bottling uh,
2: and labelling, it seems that there's a movement with natural wine to do the same. Am I wrong in saying that? I think you are fully correct. And I think what's great is, is that again, all of these kind of contemporary uh, producers, you know, what's lovely about them is, is that like I think just kind of tired and exhausted by, you know, the conventionality and the homogeneity of, of wines from their, from their regions. These guys and girls, I guess, are like the catalyst for this kind of new movement. And I think also as well, there's something that I find a little bit perplexing, I think, going to a wine store, unless you have some kind of actual prior knowledge too. Yeah. One of the biggest biggest differences between like the, the new and old world is that, with the old world, you have to have a little bit of research done in terms of you're never going to get the veritals, the grapes or anything on. You'll get the appellation and it's assuming that you know what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for the, the movement of even conventional wine made in the new world is that it's more consumer friendly. They'll yeah. always display the grape, the region, a bit more of the geography and a bit more of a descriptor as to how, how yeah. the wine is. It's much more uh, accessible for people. Yeah. And I think that in a way has also been very, very good for kind of, again, breaking down the elitism. Yeah, because yeah. it uh, can be so intimidating. It can, can like. really Yeah. So yeah. okay, let's embark on this. So this is 100% uh, Sauvignon Blanc, Blanc from from uh, saint What's really interesting about this is is that we'll see one of the kind of the elements of, of these natural wines is that there's no fining, filtering, or or, yeah. or racking of the wine. So they have a very very cloudy. Cloudy, cloudy is what I was yeah. going to say. So it's like when you think of a Sauvignon Blanc, which is like yeah, your very clean, crisp, very mm. simple thing. Now, on the nose, there's, a, there's an inherent sweetness, like a beeswax or almost like a candied, like toffee apple kind of element on the nose, which I find really interesting, and a little bit of white spice as well, or even slightly ginger. I'm going to trust you. Now, <laughs> what's occurring <laughs> here is quite interesting because st- um, the Domaine Refo they're very, very interesting. He leaves a month later of harvest than everybody else. So you're increasing the amount of sugar, dropping the pH. Okay. Uh, well, actually, you no know, raising the pH so the acidity is actually lower in the wine. But what's actually occur, uh, occurring as well is there's a, there's a there's a rot which is referred to as noble rot, but mm. yeah. but is something that 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 that's that a mold that occurs and loves grapes. What it will do is it will attack the the the, the moisture content within the grape, thus concentrating the amount of sugars and kind everything of like else. raisins them on the it, vine, right? Absolutely, yeah. that's perfectly put, yeah. uh, Harry. Perfectly put. So that's also kind of concentrating now this. This is the wine that if someone coming in and say, I love Sancerre, like, I'd be very, very careful about like this on I've, Because <laughs> I've tried a before, and it's kind of, I've, I'm going to sound like a total dunce here, but it sounds, it's
1: like a dessert wine almost. It's not a dessert wine, but it's got this, like, really honey kind of sweet thing, thing that's yeah, going on, yeah, yeah. which could, like, lead you to believe that it was for after dinner. But it's just a grape that got infected with a kind of mould that people love. Now, should we do a tasting? Yeah. Me? Oh, I mean, I... I already snuck a taste.
2: <laughs> How does that sound? I'm doing that. That's <laughs> <Great. Does> it. <laughs> that sound really weird, odd. Okay, so I find really interesting about this is that again, this is not typical of Sancerre. Uh, temperature wise as well like that's actually proper for me like mm. i think anything that would if you were to to lessen the temperature in somewhat you're going to cut off all the aromatics okay. okay. as, yeah. as, uh, so by a culture
1: super. i think in ireland we drink white wine too cold do we
2: we drink our whites too cold our reds too warm okay. and this room is temperature
0: is a totally different thing well, today yeah. to what it used to be right think
2: mm-hmm. about the idea yeah. of like in 18 like one thing that never happened was that they never they never uh, the, the, the the temperature of wine serving never evolved to match uh, industrialization. Mm-hmm. so the the phenomena of uh, wine at room temperature pre-existed yeah. any kind it's of not central ha- heating central yeah. heating yeah. Yeah. Of, you know <laughs> <laughs> I a, you know sometimes yeah. people coming in and like you know putting or even going to a friend's house and seeing a bottle of, bottle of wine on like over a, the fire or whatever like on a, on a yeah Roast. like on a mm. simmering yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't like own, boiled but what like are those things those things that like the, the heating the rads oh it's the like rads a radiator. Radiator. yeah radiator thank you radiator yeah. and you yeah know seeing wine sitting there going like you're fucking mulling that wine yeah, on a molecular totally. level yeah. get it off yeah. Yeah. or else trying yeah. to you know nicely yeah. kind of go oh this is really great <laughs> oh, where did you get this from yeah. and then Bridge, place <laughs> it over there you know yeah. but uh, but it, etiquette like, this is another thing as well yeah. you don't want to you know ultimately in terms of food wine plate glass you know the, what you want to be getting at the very end of it of, of it all is pleasure Yes, yeah, totally. you know and again with these kind of wines they're not conventional they're not for everyone um, but they're pretty pretty amazing wines. So yeah. And there
1: is something in this one which is just, I mean, it's it like, I have a very limited palate and a limited knowledge of wine, but there's something that I'm like, yeah, that's obviously a natural wine. Yeah. Yeah. I smelled
0: like silage from it. When yes. I yeah. Yeah, from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
1: Silage yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and delicious like golden autumn apples.
1: I think I have a better association with the, and this is all part of the like science romance thing, right? The romance mm. of it being like that it's made in a farm full of dandelions and there's goats yeah. running through it and that stuff. And you kind of, get that sense of place i find i mm. do anyway because you uh, like yeah it it feels like it was made by a person and there's a personality behind yeah. it or something well, like this that. Is it and it's delicious
0: yes. like that's a really really tasty mm-hmm. wine
2: and i'm really glad that you actually brought that up harry uh on account of the fact that you know like any kind of produce or anything artisanal this shit doesn't just grow on shelves mm. Mm. it has a story it has a history yeah. it has a past it has, has its loads of work and sweat and Yeah, I've you know. done Harvest and there's, I'm telling you there's no glamour in it mm. Okay, I bet. there's yeah. no glamour you are yeah. sweating your balls yeah. Yeah. and but it's humbling and it's rewarding yeah. and you, you get a better sense of place and purpose of why it's happening yeah. because you know there's no I've worked with cheesemakers or cheesemakers in Ireland as well whereby this is a labour of love like mm. you know they're not okay. making bank No, yeah. make money you, like you do not go near this shit yeah. Yeah. and when the batch is
0: different and sometimes there's a great batch and sometimes it's not as great and you know you've got consumers who expect uniformity yeah. that you just you're not going to get with yeah. that sort of small production, you
2: know.
1: Yeah, there's nice. Well, that's that fine. There's a that's nice. it's a just surprise. That there's a kickback culture, yeah, you know? yeah that absolutely. There's some, the, the people who are really appreciating the. But
2: I think one of, the, and also I think for me, the, the cornerstone of the biodynamic movement is is that it, it reduces the ego. Yeah. Okay. Beautifully, in the sense yeah. that you do not tame nature; you work yeah. with it. Okay. okay. This yeah. is it. Yeah. yeah. By using conventional methods of, of agrochemicals and stuff why the fuck would you want to do it yeah. you know don't feel as if you're the big man on campus thinking you can go in and, oh I'll do, do this and I'll tame this and blah blah yeah. no you don't you work with her okay yeah. see and what she gives you given year. indeed you, indeed. Yeah, you okay. look after her that's she'll be good cool. to you Beautiful. nice okay so, move on wine? to the second tasting yes please excellent now <laughs> another buzz term at the moment which is interesting is called petnat and uh, technical term uh, petulant um, petulant nash natu- 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 uh, traditional Pet nut, okay.
0: I just want to point out that Pete is opening the next bottle of wine with a cigarette lighter. Oh, <laughs> <hey>! <laughs> Anessa, And we <I'm> are <laughs> everywhere. That's
2: fantastic. Now, okay, we might need a bit of mop Yes. Mop. <laughs> so, so, whilst we're swimming in wine, we yeah. may as well pour some. Please. So, the, the Pet Nut thing is basically, it's, it's the oldest method mm-hmm. of creating carbon within yeah. a bottle. Um basically what happens is, we spoke earlier about the idea of the secondary fermentation occurring. So the, the pet nat is basically, precedes the traditional method of how champagne is done, which is yeah. a gorging process, but we won't get into that, it's, kind yeah. of, it's irrelevant. But so basically what's occurring is before the, the fermentation is actually occurring, thanks so much for that, uh, before it actually <laughs> completes itself, or in, in its beginning, its, its, its nascent stage, the, uh, the, the carbon dioxide actually develops evolves in the bottle itself. Mm-hmm. Now... Again, very cloudy. This is by a producer by the name wow. of Pitterner Gerhard Pitnauer. and this is brought in by oh, Ben wow. and Barbara from Winemason. This is from where in the world? Frank? So we're coming from Burgenland in Austria. Burgenland. Okay. Okay. So this is a bit of a patchwork wine okay. of uh, Riesling, Gewurz, uh, Sauvignon, and there's another grape as well that's in it. Gruner. Now, what I'll was the second
0: it. one you said? I didn't recognise it. Sorry.
2: Gruner, uh, Riesling,
0: and you said another one. one Gewurz. Um, Gewurztraminer. Okay.
2: Yeah. Uh, and there's some Sauvignon going in there as well. Okay. So now what's really interesting about these wines is, is that like they don't have the aggressive pearlage. That you know that 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 kind of like big bubble things. There's more oh, froth and foam. Sorry, I went ahead. So good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm sorry I
1: cut you off. What's mm. pearlage though?
2: Pearlage is the, the the stream, the actual the bubbles themselves. So oh, okay, okay. okay. The bubbles themselves. this is more froth. Oh yes. Yeah. Now what was interesting for the Dubai diamond class I did for Fumbly uh, back in October was to have something like this. A Colfondo was also the, the, the Prosecco equivalent, mm. Colfondo with sediment. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting, I, I, I flipped everyone's tasting notes at the family of the stables. Mm-hmm. And I said, because at the end, uh, to, to kind of rid that expectation bias and say, OK, so we have the sediment at the end. Yeah. Right as you can see there, underneath. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now what you can do is you can aggravate that, and that will bring on a much more textural kind of component to, yeah. the, to the wine. Okay. But I did a very clear still pour at the beginning. Yeah. Didn't tell anyone it was prosecco. So we had like twenty people in the room, and they're going, "Is this some rustic cider? Is this mm. some homemade? Yeah. Is it a garage something?" Yeah. And then, which is <laughs> really <you> know, But <laughs> If I had said to them, "Listen, yeah. you've got some raw prosecco in your glass." Mm. Mm. They're like, this isn't Prosecco, why I've had Prosecco. And then did a little bit of a, shook the shit out of it <laughs> and then reported again. And then the, the gasp when people are going like, Prosecco, what? Really? But again, this is how it would have been made yeah. mm-hmm. in, back in the day, you yeah. know. But well, these wines I find amazing. They also have as well, I think, very, they're, they're just like, they're just so approachable and fun. Yeah. There's nothing they're
0: really fun. That's exactly the way. Right aren't thing. thing? Yeah. There's just, yes. it's just That's, a good time. It's in like quaffling, yes. delicious, yeah. beautiful. I, I could smash the shit bit. out of that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like, uh, but the only thing is with these with these kinds as well, they're all a bit too drinkable, you know. Mm. Okay, truly. Yeah, um, it's just too delicious. Yeah. Geographically, we're going to stick yeah. uh, for the next glass, different producer, but it's Austria again by a guy called Klaus Pressinger. And mm. uh, this is been brought in by the guys from Venus Tito. Klaus Pressinger has a bit of a cult following, uh, and we have to do my 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 dentistry realness okay. <laughs> again with a caravan. What is the name of that thing? Coravan Coravan. Now it's a recent phenomenon I have a lot of colleagues Who are either Very opposed to it Or Mm. are are, are totally pro There's not enough Empirical data Again to say Whether it is As effective as some Ambassadors of it Say it to be Jesus (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> now, keep so, that arm strong, anyway. Okay. Yeah, exactly. For, <laughs> I've chilled this one down as well because it is suggested by by Klaus himself that we ha- we have this chilled. This is a homage to Beaujolais. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beaujolais has a bit of a bad rap when it comes to a, a, a mass amount of conventional wines being produced. Uh, Beaujolais is noted for for Gamay, which is sometimes referred to as the the, the kid sibling to Pinot Noir. This itself has three grapes. actually no this for this vintage two grapes. This is as uh, and Blau two grapes that are 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 home to uh, to uh, Austria. And are these are these grapes that we might know as other names as well? much no, like temper- Well, no, actually no, this okay. is They're like, indigenous this, this yeah, so. Actually, well, Zweigelt is actually the ch- is the child of Blau-Frankish and okay. Saint Laurent. So it's a hybrid named after Dr. Doctor, uh, doctor Zweigeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <boy. laughs> Now, so again...
1: <gasps> oh. Oh.
2: We all out of argon. Oh.
0: The machine's rebelling.
2: Okay, well fucking robots attack this is shit <laughs> <laughs> now I, I can use my shoe <laughs> uh, oh oh, oh, yeah. oh yay. Yeah, yeah. okay cool thank you technology <laughs> now okay so excellent and finally for Harry
1: thank you very much yeah sir so that was, I think really yeah, we're drinking red so here, good. Yeah. is what we should at least yeah. describe what we're drinking. That's true, yeah, so yeah.
2: Now, okay, get that into you. And
1: look how, like, healthy and blood coloured cheers. So Thank you
2: for coming on. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent.
0: <laughs> Thanks for teaching us. Today. Yeah.
2: Now, so, this wine is quite interesting. I love wines that almost have that kind of, like, Proustian effect, that mandolin moment, where you get something to vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with these kind of wines, I remember, like, the first time having, like, this, and... Uh, 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 Since then, you know, Blau Frankenstein and Zweigel for me always reminds me of being a kid, being as bold as brass, and just like. Pulling out the the cherries out of a black forest cappuccino. Okay. Yes. That's it's, wicked. It's that <laughs> in the yeah. glass, yeah. and okay. I just love when just you know those kind of memories that you just kind of yeah. they fail you for some reason, and then all of a sudden it's just like it boom. Poof. Yeah. Yeah. There back that in moment wine form
1: in ratatouille. Do you know the film? The, the Pixar film. Ratatouille? Never seen it. Okay. It's Should like, I? There's this. Absolutely. It's Deadly. fantastic. Okay. There's this moment in it whereby mm-hmm. the food critic, whose name I forget, eats the ratatouille, and then is, and then they whisk back in the most beautiful. Um, Elegant way back to his childhood, yeah. and it's really good visual representation of exactly what you're yeah. talking about, mm. which is that the taking of the cherry from yeah. the black rose ghetto, and then just like that's it. But there's that one moment, and I suppose we're having our rapturous
2: moment. moment. I just yeah.
0: jolly ranchers on my J one.
2: Excellent, Yay! <laughs> jolly, awesome. Jolly ranchers on my J1. yeah, awesome, brilliant. Sh- wine food it should evoke something, you know. It's yeah. not just for I just didn't expect that. <laughs> <laughs> no, their their they're wine gums is also what a friend of mine said saying you Or pastels without the sugar. Yes, like but they're it's just so sweety. But yeah. what I love about these wines, mm. particularly, there's very low tannic quality to it. Mm. S- for spices, you know, we had uh, Keith um, Keith Coleman doing you know, a pop up with us two weeks ago, mm. and we a had a former guest on this show, a former guest on the show, mm-hmm. and he had basically a very slow cooked uh, lamb rib, and with that, he had his own Keith's hot sauce. Mm. Capsicum, anything that registered on the Scoville scale is a potential disaster for wine. Okay. This here can hold its weight so well. Oh, wow. Which okay. is fantastic. Yeah. Purely because no oak no oak and no and no tannin. Okay. okay. So it's that Key. cleanliness that means that
1: it can yeah. that kind of Absol- I think uh, say cleanliness, so it's not clean necessarily, but the Well,
2: just supple, light. Okay. Yeah. Like it's kinda of counterintuitive. People always say, Oh, I'll well, have something big and and uh, and you know, to match what I have. Yeah. Not the case, the difference you in want the mouthfeel is huge as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's gorgeous, but yeah, it's, again, it's so approachable, you know, yeah. really approachable. This, this is my
0: fave. I will be getting a of this later. Excellent, yes. yeah. you
2: be getting it from Green Wines and tarnier. obviously. Deli.
1: And is anybody else able to go there and get this stuff? Uh,
2: yeah, no, listen, the, the door's open for everyone, uh, even for the inquisitive, like minded. Like, again, with the great thing about having the Coravan as well is that, like, you know, for people who may not have an experience with something. Yeah without compromising the integrity of the bottle, we can just do little samples for people as well. Just okay. to, because the mm. thing is, uh, you also, also want to have kind of an educational component. Mm-hmm. And for us it's important as well, just for the sake of having someone else's opinion. Because sometimes, you know, you can't see the wood for the trees all, do you know? Yes, of So it's really yeah. important just to just, and someone who may feel as if they don't have a sophisticated palette or like a glossary of words, they might just see something that you've missed before and go yeah. like, oh, you're so fucking on it. Yeah, no, totally. Like Jolly Ranchers. So <laughs> yeah. Jolly Ranchers. Am I right? <laughs> so it is a re, it's a, it's a yeah. very much a reflexive kind of journey, yeah. I think. Yeah. It's uh, been an thank educational so journey for, for me. Daddy, yeah. I'm delighted wow. to be here. Drinking during the day. Yeah. I mean, I'm feeling really best. jazzed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coming
0: in and picking up a few bottles from you and cool. trying to cool. out with a few different. Excellent. Approaches. I'm the same. So I
1: picked yeah. up. I picked up a bottle of uh, what was just called Van Rouge recently. Oh, by Pousset? Yes. Yes. yes it's, it's a gamay. Oh yeah. That's good. Right. Unreal. Yeah. yeah. Like just it was one of those things where I tasted it and it was like super good quality and it was and and I'm not one to spend. Big money, and this wasn't. I didn't spend big money, mm. but I'm not one really to spend more than thirteen quid on a bottle of wine. Okay, and this yeah. one cost like twenty two or something. Yeah, grand, yeah, you did yeah. a big treat. I d- it was a big treat, but then yeah. it's, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I feel like
2: I feel myself getting there with natural yeah. wine. Absolutely, yeah. you know that one in question. Actually, the the Van Rouge I we, we I had the luxury of being at a masterclass with the producer about two weeks ago in Della Hunt upstairs and. I was kind of looking at everyone around me We were doing the tasting And I was just Everyone's like these Really detailed Complex kind of tasting notes mm. I remember just looking at mine And like, put my hand up And i like Fizzy knickers yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's all that was needed Those two words That wine gives me Fizzy <laughs> knickers Oh my
0: god <laughs> I don't think there's anything else to no. say On that note Pete, Thank you thank very you so much, much
2: guys, thank you so much It's been a blast <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening in to this episode of With Relish. We would like to thank all our guests for taking time out to come on with us. As mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are a fortnightly podcast, so make sure to check out headstuff.org for our next show.
0: You can download the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn and all the usuals. If you like what you've heard, please let us know by writing us a review or following our Twitter page at With Relish Pod.